0: Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk, Alternative. Southern California, yeah! Welcome to another edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. Today's topic is called Astrological Natal Chart Interpretation. An advanced topic for those of you thinking about or preparing doing chart interpretation. So, this is an interesting topic, I would think. I'm going to give some of my tips, some of my hints. We're going to talk about the higher self, trying to channel the higher self when you do readings, interpretations. So all kinds of interesting stuff. I'm feeling good because I know that come Sunday, Moon will be in Virgo. It'll be actually trying Magic's uh, Moon and trying his Saturn. And I think the whole Laker team is going to be fired up and destroy the Pistons. And I think they're going to win it on Tuesday at home, the seventh game. So I feel real good. Even though Magic's having some stress in this chart, I'm not worried about that because this guy is powerful and the Lakers are a fun team. Let's jump right into chart interpretation. I don't know how far advanced you are into analyzing astrology charts i don't know if you even heard yesterday's show and the introduction of chart interpretation that i gave frankly to qualify as an astrologer in my opinion more than just going to the afa and taking a test or getting certified from some school or some organization i think it's important that in your own mind you feel that you are qualified enough to be what we would call an astrologer who can approach life and one's clients with as much compassion and concern and caring as ultimately possible. Unfortunately, a lot of people will misuse astrology. There are some bogus astrologers out there. There are people out there that will misuse anything, just like a person who might pretend to be a priest or a minister or a rabbi and use people for their donations, not really believing into it, and, you know, buying Rolls Royces and huge homes and and such. There are people out there that may use astrology to manipulate people in relationships, to use them, or, to make money off the public and not really be as concerned or compassionate. I think there is a dread karma connected with those who would use astrology and misuse its power and its knowledge in order to take advantage of other people. And that is a very, very important point for all of you or any of you. Believe it or not, some people get into astrology because they figure, well, this is a great way to get to meet people. And that's true, and that's okay. It's okay for you to have that in your mind. If you if you do want to meet people and that's the way it starts off, that's fine. But watch out. Because we do find that as we get deeper into the studies and the analysis of the science of astrology and we do start doing readings that we actually see more and learn more about our own selves. And in that way, we absolve karma with ourselves and this planet or people we might meet. And at the same time, we are reaching out and learning true compassion and caring for others. It's talk about embracing a family of man. Astrology is ruled by the vibration of Aquarius, the vibration of the planet Uranus, which is the humanitarian essence. And that is why true astrologers are humanitarians, humanitarianistic people. So, you know, there's a few things to be aware of. Number one, if you're going to become an astrologer, there is a ton of memorization. And I'm not talking about sitting down and memorizing the Declaration of Independence or all the amendments. What we need to memorize more than anything else are basic correlations, you know, basic meanings of the planets in their signs, all of them, planets in their houses, all of them. That's 144 different varieties right off the bat, okay? then combining the two and knowing what a planet in a sign and a house would mean combined, and then memorizing all the possible aspect vibrations. And That's why I suggest the book Planets and Aspect all the time. And then getting down the 12 rising signs and getting down their vibrations. Now, if you're an equal house astrologer like I am, then it'll be easier for you because then knowing a rising sign will help you find any particular house cusp pretty quickly. If you're not an equal house astrologer, I still respect that, But just Placidus and Koch houses and Region Montanus and Campanus house systems are a lot more complicated and, of course, obviously a lot more difficult when it comes to memorization because you never, ever know what the house cusp is unless you actually do the chart and are looking at the chart, whereas an equal house astrologer is more of an intuitive astrologer, and that's why we're going to talk about intuition and chart interpretation in today's topic. Now, also, there are some other things that you should be aware of, and that is being aware being able to aspect a chart, being able to cast a natal chart, which means set it up, you know, because a true astrologer will be able to take a piece of blank chart paper and lay out the rising and draw in the houses and lay out all the planets and the signs and draw in the aspects. And I'm not saying that a good astrologer or a qualified astrologer must know how to do the math because I frankly have forgotten how to do the math because I use computers in calculating astrology charts at this point. But in some places, And in the past, like in the American Federation of Astrologers in Washington, to become certified, you have to be able to know how to do the math. So in some places, I guess in the olden days, the math was important, whereas I think today, as far as interpretation is concerned, the math is important. But in my opinion, if you use computers, that's okay, because you'll get a lot more charts done. But a good astrologer must be able to cast a chart, identify every part of it, including the North and South Node and the part of Fortune and the Midheaven and the zenith and the nadir, and all those areas, right? And also identify the house vibration, depending on what signs on the cusp, planets in houses and signs, what they mean, and basic aspects. Now, on top of that, a good astrologer should have pretty much down what all transit aspects mean, which means any conceivable hard aspect from a moving planet in the sky to a fixed planet in the chart. I'm talking about conjunction transits and semi-sextal transits, sextal transits, Also square transits, trine transits, quinks transits, and opposition transits. You should have the basic meanings of all that done. So being an astrologer, actually, it involves a lot of memorization. And besides mastering the natal and mastering the transits, and also mastering compatibility, because a very important part of astrology is being able to master combining two charts or comparing two charts, the Venuses, the Marses, the Moons, checking for squares and karma, oppositions and karma trines and sextals and flow balance and dharma and such between any two charts is also highly important but then there's the horary part of astrology and that is actually being able to cast a chart for the moment even if in the mind's eye following the daily transits and knowing what the daily earth's vibration is so in case you should design a project or a new beginning or form a relationship you can understand the horary effect which is the entity effect for the moment or casting a chart for the exact moment of a new beginning, right? And knowing what the result of that beginning will be because of the astrological configuration that exists for that moment. So basically, you know, what I'm talking about is if you feel like you want to be an astrologer, it is a long road. It does take a lot of study and a lot of research and a lot of knowledge, and it does all combine with the memorization of basic vibrations. Now, Let's talk about shortcuts, okay? <laughs> because everybody likes shortcuts and no one likes to be able to sit there and look at a Washington monument of books. But I think books and classes in this show are important, okay, in following the moving planets and also using the public as a guinea pig and casting lots of free charts or looking at the ephemeris whenever you meet people to try to compare and combine what you sense to be the personality with is what is in the chart. Okay, that is all important. But I think number one and major part of being a good astrologer, especially Equal House, is the meditation, is learning how to center yourself, number one, centering. Number two, how to get into alpha or even a conscious theta state while doing your readings so you can have an assist from your intuitive mind and even your higher self if you're good enough to channel information that is naturally at bay in your intuitive mind and your higher self that can not only help you with the memorization, obviously, because much of the sacred knowledge I've just discussed, as far as being a good astrologer, lies in the meditative mind. So centering and channeling in the alpha or the conscious theta state are so important. Being in a positive, loving, caring environment that would be free of lots of, let's say, noise pollution, or lots of people pollution, or even pet pollution, unless it's comfortable like birds singing or something. At the same time, when you combine having the knowledge of studying astrology and knowing exactly what basic vibrations are as far as natal vibrations, transit vibrations, compatibility vibrations, and horary vibrations, right? You get that all down. Then number two, when you are also able to be objective about giving a reading without trying to be too negative, remembering that there is nothing in astrology that is negative, that everything in astrology basically offers opportunity for change, for transformation and transition, for metamorphosis, and it is our duty to reveal the choice to the client, not to make the choice. Unfortunately, some psychics make the choices for people, but I don't think that's logical or proper. So what I do is I always give them my point of view without help making the choice for them. Okay, so remaining objective would be that important part. (laughs) I forgot what number I was on, but anyway. Then finally, what would be next would be the centering, before every reading and during every reading, you should be able to see yourself at the center of the universe, surrounded by the light of God's love, and you should be able to visualize your chakras in full bloom, in full blossom, and be able to remain comfortable and calm before and during the reading with your chakras totally bloomed and blossomed, all open. And of course, obviously, this is not easy for everyone to do, but with practice, maybe you'll get good. I'm blossomed usually during every show, unless I am sick or something, but I'm blossomed right now. Anyway, is my blossom showing. Also, then finally, being able to retain a meditative state during the reading, an alpha or deep theta conscious state without alerting that to your client's readily noticeable attention, being able to be in a relaxed, calm state so you can flow with your analysis and you can pull into your intuitive mind for further knowledge from your higher self or from your guides to help epitomize the quality of any astrological reading you might bestow upon a client for the proper dollar amount that may be donated or given to you for the reading. I do believe that because this is the material world and because this is the third dimension, unfortunately, we have been conditioned to believe the philosophy that you get what you pay for. And a lot of times if people do not pay for something, they don't believe they get much out of it. And a lot of times I know there are people out there doing free readings and doing free counseling, which is fine if they can afford to do that, but because this is the material world and because Frankly, I do take a look at money as a barter, as far as someone giving you the food, the shelter, and the clothing you might need in exchange for the counseling. I feel it is proper for an astrologer to charge for a consultation if they are worth it. If they, if their intellect or their knowledge or their wisdom or the energy that is transmitted is worth the money, then why not charge someone? I started out being tipped. I never charged thousands of people. Would you imagine meeting Farley Malaris in the 70s and being one of those thousands of people I gave free readings to, uh, way before I ever charged anyone, I remember the first tip I ever got was $20. And that set my rate at that time, went from 20 to 35 and then to 45 and 50 and 60. And when I got better and got busier, I had to raise my rates because my time was flooded with too many readings and I was getting burned out and tired of it. And now of course my rate is 50 minute session for 200. And the reason why that's so high is because when it was at a hundred, I had so many readings, I was almost ready to quit. So now I'm able to zero in on the quality of a reading. I enjoy it and I feel I give a, my client a, a fair shake for that price. Of course, some astrologers are way up to three, four, and even $500 for a session, which I think is something that I hope I'll never get to because I'll probably quit before I ever charge that kind of money for a reading. But anyway, I hope this helps a lot of you that are thinking about it. Another major point, you know, major point is that people are frightened to try to interpret charts. They're scared and they're insecure. And there's a reason for that. Because I feel that the most qualified astrologers around are people that do reflect a high level of self-esteem. They do reflect a high level of confidence. Of course, their life would be in check as far as sobriety is concerned, because I do feel that the best astrologers would have reached levels of awareness where they don't need drugs or alcohol as far as a supplement to their lives. And I also feel that some of the best astrologers would be people that would be able to think highly of themselves without blaring a major ego. Unfortunately, some people will misinterpret optimism and confidence as ego. I'm sorry about that. Some of us that are astrologers, like some of us Leo astrologers, sometimes we need this confidence and it might come out as a know-it-all type vibration, but it really isn't. Because a Leo with an ego is truly a jerk that has no friends and no relations at all. And a Leo who is humble definitely receives the patience and the love and the support from many other people so that's why i like to give leo's a break when i talk to them i hope this is a good topic for you i know a lot of you that may be beginners are sitting there thinking wow this is way over my head and that might be true but you got to remember we've been on the air for going on our fifth year and there are listeners out there that need to hear these particular topics at the same time you as a neophyte or as a beginner might also like to know what is required as far as ascending or evolving to certain levels as far as being an astrologer-interpreter, a chart-interpreter, or professional astrologer. And like I say, my way is my way. I'm sure there are many other ways and other additional comments or suggestions that many other astrologers could make. As always, this show is the point of view and opinion of Farley Mallory. so I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes. I'm just trying to tell you everything that I have learned and and things I feel I need to be a good astrology-interpreter when it comes to chart-interpretation. The fun thing about this show, this show is like a magical little house in the woods that you find on your radio dial with me, the vizier in the house, and doing the readings and meeting the people and discussing the problems and such with those. I think the magic about this show, it's like self-propelled, and we fuel our energy on people and the fact that people are hungry for knowledge and searching and revealing self-realization and learning certain truths and edges metaphysically that are available to us. And, you know, I consider it a benefit that we are able to offer charts, for example, that not only are used to help you understand yourself astrologically, but taking this show as a class, the chart is absolutely essential, because you find out that we do hundreds of thousands of different topics here in the Astrology Hour, sometimes never ever covering the same topic for months at a time in the same show. So you never know what we're going to cover astrologically or metaphysically, but it always helps to have that chart nearby to refer to in case it is an astrological topic. You know, I'm kind of like a Johnny Appleseed type person. I love that cartoon. If you ever saw the Disney cartoon Johnny Appleseed, that just turned me on. (laughs) Here's this guy tripping around the countryside planting apples. (laughs) He planted thousands of apple trees. I kind of think I'm like a Johnny Appleseed. That's what I would like to be remembered as. Somebody that plants seeds. Seeds of consciousness, perhaps, in people's minds and hearts. I'm proud of this show, and I'm proud of the listeners, and I'm proud of of what we have done and, and all the thousands of topics we've brought to this station and to the airwaves in the last four years going on five. I'm also proud of the fact that this show has actually produced and created a generation of astrologers. And since our inception in April 16th in 1984, I'm happy to announce that over a hundred people have begun practicing astrologer. Astrology is catalyzed by this program, my students. And even though, you know, we've had thousands of people listening and thousands of people getting their charts, the fact that now we have over a 100 astrologers out there doing charts and counseling people along the lines of objectivity and open-mindedness and not messing with the free will choice and plugging into their intuitive mind. And I have taught some rare interpretation classes, which I probably won't teach too often uh, for a lot of money. I've already trained 60 individual astrologers in those classes besides the other 50 that have just learned on their own and followed my suggestions and my instructions and such. And you know, that says a lot for me. I think part of my life is dedicated. I'm not trying to wave my flag or blast my ego because I have come from a place of being very lonely and very afraid, very frightened, very depressed in my past, very self-destructive and escapist. And I think I've come a long way. And a lot of times when I do feel down and I do feel like I'm not doing what I should do or completely being perfect, as everyone sometimes expects Farley to be perfect, and people are sometimes disappointed when they call me and find me angry or having a hard day or a bad mood or not as courteous or as patronizing as I should be. But like the rest of you, I am striving for that spiritual perfection, which is really hard to attain. But the fact that I do get letters from astrologers that thank me and they say that because of this show and because of my training and because of my Instructions and information that delivered here, that they actually have created and manifested a career, where they're seeing clients, where they're making money, where they're helping people, some people actually having their own radio programs in other cities and locally, is just darned incredible, letting me know and alerting me to the fact that when it does come time for me to leave this dimension and leave this earth, that I will have planted seeds of consciousness and knowledge in astrology and metaphysics and karmic sharing, which I feel is of positive benefit and of Aquarian quality of some of the highest levels. That is really why I feel I was meant to be born, to share this knowledge, this sacred knowledge, to lift the Piscean veil and to produce the Aquarian clarity because Leo is the polar opposite to Aquarius. A lot of Leos are personally participating in this Aquarian age vibration that is upon us. So a lot of times you listen to this show and you might say, for example, off today's topic, how many people are really going to get what he's talking about in this topic? You know how many people are recording this show right now who might listen to it about six months from now and go, wow, I never thought I was actually going to become an astrologer, but because I have this show instructing me and giving me the information and the tips and the suggestions as to how I could become the best or a better astrologer, I have it. I have this in my library. Or like Bonnie, who might be sitting at a typewriter, typing words as I speak, right? Uh, You know, gathering this information to one day be shared and spread to the world in our search for open-mindedness and further truth and, of course, eventual harmonic conversions of all philosophies, races, and religions under the umbrella of the oneness of God, which we all share. So, you know, this is important to me, and and I'm excited about it, and I think this topic is one of the more important and powerful topics that I have probably ever delivered in the history of this show. Sometimes people say I'm getting better. (laughs) Of course, I like to feel that I'm at least being consistent, or at least being as optimistic and as confident and as happy as I can, so this will spread and will be contagious enough for you to also be happy and optimistic and consistent and as stable and maybe as near perfect as possible in the spiritual sense. So if there are those of you that are becoming astrologers or you haven't let me know that you have become an astrologer through this show, hey, let me know through letters or phone calls, whatever, because I want to know about that. I like to hear about that stuff. It lightens up my light and it brightens up my heart and lets me know that I am succeeding in my mission of enlightening people and helping out along the lines of world consciousness is concerned. And I'm sure that as the years go by, I will meet people that will say, you know what, you got me into astrology and now I wrote a book. (laughs) That would just blow me away if I ever heard that stuff. But that's the kind of stuff that makes you happy. Long time ago, I heard a saying that in your lifetime you could reach out and help just one person. If you could reach out and just light a candle of love and light and happiness in one person's heart, you will have done enough to amass and to absolve a whole mountain of sins. Imagine, imagine the power and the absolution involved with turning on that light inside of the hearts and minds of hundreds, perhaps thousands, maybe one day millions of people, and as a planet, maybe we could turn it around and open up the light and the love on this planet and brighten up the consciousness and remove some of the suffering, which is what my dream is all about. So this show, obviously, is dedicated to those of you rebirthing in the spirit and reaching for the light in the hope that one day you may be an astrologer and a chart interpreter and someone who may be teaching astrology or metaphysics along those lines, and also searching for open-mindedness and further truth, like I always try to be. With that, let's go to the phone lines. Pat is a Libra, Virgo, rising. Hello, Pat. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm fine, Farley. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm floating. I'm
1: floating. <laughs> I know the feeling. Okay. I recently have been bombarded with a great deal of challenges. Just all of a sudden, all these things in several areas of my life are going on. And I was just wondering what you saw in my chart right now.
0: Well, uh, are you talking about love challenges, too? Love
1: challenges financially. I'm
0: you want to share your love problem with me?
1: Well, uh, just, I've been involved in a kind of a up-and-down stormy relationship for a couple of years with a Gemini. Uh-huh. And, uh, that's, you know...
0: Do you have a pattern of stormy relationships with people?
1: Well... Not exactly. I've had a, a few other unpleasant occurrences, but, you know, primarily not one that's given me this kind of problem in the past.
0: Okay, what do you think you're being told here by this storminess? Do you think that that you created this individual in your life for stability or for karmic reasons?
1: Well, I thought stability.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, logically, though, it doesn't look like that. So, you know, if we were logical with ourselves, considering you do have Mars opposed Uranus and Jupiter in your natal chart, Mars and Capricorn, oppose uh, Jupiter and Uranus in Cancer and T-square, Neptune and Libra, that is the type of individual inside of yourself that may just manifest either the impossible dream or the ridiculous challenge in a relationship where you really aren't getting the full pop you deserve Right. as far as physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual return of the love that you might send out. So, you know, if you'd step outside of your body and objectively look at this relationship, you might not see it's as healthy for you as you'd like it to be, it might be one of those ones that might need a karmic absolution. Good luck, okay?
1: Um I also wanted to ask you one more thing. I'm getting audited by the IRS on July 21st, and what do my planets look like for that day?
0: Or... Now, did you do something that, uh, precipitated this audit?
1: Well, not necessarily, but I, I do independent contracting work, and, uh, you know, there's you know, they wanna... Look over my tax return and stuff.
0: Uh-huh. Is there anything for you to be worried about karmically?
1: Well, I don't know if I <laughs> might possibly owe them some money or something, you know. uh uh-huh. I, mean, I don't know what they're going to
0: judge or... If you could somehow get them to move the audit up to June the 25th, so you are showing much better financial aspects in June. As we approach July, it's still okay, but because Jupiter's been opposed your Venus and square your Pluto, it, you know, might cost you some money. Okay? All right. Thanks, Parley. Bye-bye. Let's go to Mary Ann, who is a Cancer Taurus rising. Hi. Hi. See, that was easy, wasn't it? <laughs> she was born in 1962, okay. <laughs> gotcha, didn't I? Okay, what can we do for you, Mary
1: Ann? I'm uh, having a problem with uh, a trip, a trip that I was contemplating going on with a friend. And it's... Uh, is this a
0: lover or just a friend? No, a lover. Uh huh.
1: It's a retreat type of thing. It's a two week
0: situation. Male or female? Male. Okay. <laughs> Hey, listen, you got Mars and Virgo. There's a lot of things going on here. Yeah, it's possible, you know.
1: Well, my problem is this person is a cancer sag. Yeah. And we're very similar in in a lot of ways.
0: Okay, now, now wait a second. You could be having a problem with this person right now.
1: I think I, well I am having a problem right now.
0: Yeah, so why would you want to trap yourself in a vacation?
1: I'm already committed. I mean, it's one of these things I can't get out of without some financial loss. But at the same time, I thought... You're shown more of a
0: breakup and separation than a good time. Really? Yeah, Mars opposed Mars happens and women want to be more alone and unto themselves. You could be with Prince Charles right now and feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So I would either try to put the vacation off or Give yourselves a lot of space on the vacation. Well, that probably will happen. And I think avoiding talking so much about, quote, the relationship might also help you, too. Really? Try to keep it low-key, you know, uh arm's length, ha, 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 ho, 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 you know, and, and try not to be, don't make it an argument trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep affirming the fact that I want to have fun, we're going to have fun, let's have fun, and keep it like that. And you'll remember me, too, okay? I certainly will. Bye-bye. Thank you. Let's go to Joanne, who is a cancer Pisces Rising born nineteen seventy two. Hi. Nineteen sixty two. I'm gonna start giving out the phony years for women from now on. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Nineteen forty seven. I know, I know. Oh, okay. I have a question for you. I'm I'm real interested in having another child and I was I have a minor medical problem that needs to be taken care of, and I was just kinda wondering what you see.
0: What degree is the Pisces Rising?
1: i don't have my chart right in front
0: of oh, me. oh real good joe <laughs> now come on I next time you call i want you to have you. you memorize that pisces rising for me so i won't make any mistakes here okay oh, okay now but anyway is this a female problem
1: um yeah i'm not ovulating
0: uh-huh so yeah. it's going to be hard to have a baby without that
1: that is a real problem yes Mm-hmm. so i am going to the doctor to um you know try to increase my hormone levels and things like that are you
0: doing this soon
1: I just started it.
0: <laughs> because you are showing a fertile period all during July and much of August.
1: July and August. That's
0: right. Venus will be in your fifth house, and it'll be double-trying your moon and Jupiter in Scorpio, which is very fertile and very good astrologically. I would almost predict a baby there, okay?
1: Okay. Keep so the faith. Um, <laughs> even without having the, the rising sign?
0: Well, you know, I know your fifth house is Cancer, which is the children's house for me. Okay. And you know, I know Venus and Sun and Mercury and a lot of the planets will be in Cancer during the summer. So it appears to be an extremely fertile time for you. Okay. So just keep the faith and, uh, okay, and, and well, I'll meditate. Start
1: my little program then. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Let's go to Dana now on line five. Another Scorpio Aries rising. Hi. Hi. Yo Dana. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Oh. You feel better now? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. I do too. Good. So what are you doing today?
1: Well, I just lost two jobs it seems
0: like. Really? So you should probably be an astrologer then? Yeah. <laughs> Good topic for you. Yeah. So, you wanna know about career?
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Well, what would you like to do? If I gave you a magic coin and said, make a wish, what career would you manifest? Acting. Really? Are you beautiful? Am I beautiful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you interesting looking. Well, now come on, no matter how interesting looking you are, you have to affirm that you're beautiful. Yes, I am beautiful. Okay, now, are you charismatic? Yes. Okay, now those are two things you must affirm. No matter how you look, you must feel you're beautiful and charismatic to exude the confidence that is required in acting. Now, what kind of role would you like? Leading. Leading role, okay. Would you like to be in a comedy or a mystery or tragedy, adventure, which one? Drama. I can't do this with you all the time, but what you need to do is sit down with yourself and write a story of what you want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. And when you put that energy out in the universe, then it will manifest because you are shown major career surge. You're just shown getting involved with too many careers that are too karmic for you, and you are having a Saturn return right now. So part of your karma is career frustration. But before I got on the radio, I visualized it for 10 years. I sat there in a closed office, no windows, in a warehouse, seeing a microphone in my mouth. <laughs> I mean, in front of my mouth. I was like, oh, blah, blah, in front of my mouth for 10 years, and it happened. So visualization doesn't work overnight often, but depends on what your power is. And I think you could make it happen, but you have to be specific in what you asked for, okay? Yes. Does that help?
1: Yes, thank you very much. I love you. Thank you, I love you. Bye. Bye.
0: Let's go to Judith now, who is born September 22nd, 1940, a Sag rising. Hi, Jude. Hi, Farley. How are you?
1: I would just like a general scan concerning the reason I decided to incarnate this time.
0: (laughs) What's your life's problem, right? Now, I would think, where's your north node? What house and sign? Do you know that yet?
1: Um, It's in the 10th house in Libra.
0: Okay, so part of that tells me...
1: But on the equal house, it's in the 11th house.
0: In Libra. Yes. Okay, so that would be a humanitarian incarnation, and Libra being the sign of balance, your mission would be balance humanity. And also with Saturn and Taurus, part of the karmic absolution you're involved with in order to reach humanity would be to overcome your obsessions, your indulgences, and the pull or the worry you might have about money, and money matters. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a lot of sense. Okay, baby. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to... Uh, <laughs> I'm having a good time. Yeah, okay, you know. Let's go to Cheryl, who's a Pisces Cancer Rising first-time caller. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Well, Cheryl, how are you? Fine. Are you seven years old or eight? Nine. Nine? Did you take the day off from school today? I have summer vacation. You're on summer vacation now? Yeah. So you can listen to your Uncle Farley on the radio.
1: Yeah.
0: You got yourself your chart. You're a Cancer Rising, huh? Yeah. So what did you want to ask me today?
1: Um, what my chart is in the future.
0: You want to know what your future is, huh? Well, it looks like you're going to have a fun summer. Are you going to go away on vacation somewhere? Yeah. Where are are you going? Camping. Camping. I love camping. Where at? Do you know?
1: Uh
0: -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. It's a surprise, isn't it? Well, it looks like you're going to miss your friends, huh?
1: Yeah.
0: And you have a very psychic chart. Can you do magic things, Cheryl?
1: I don't know. Yep,
0: she can. You have Mars and Pisces here. You're going to be a little psychic magician. I heard somebody go, yes, she can back there. Yeah. Who's that, Mommy,
1: Cheryl? listening. <laughs> that was my question for her chart, actually, when she wanted to call and find out about her chart. That was the question I was going to ask you. She's already done, said, and done so many things. I know she's psychic.
0: Yeah, you know, she needs a lot of expression. She's going to go through a Saturn, Uranus, square her Mercury. So she's really going to need to learn to assert herself and not be cut off mentally. Uh-huh. So people should pull back on the negatives right. that they deliver to her, because even though she might seem a little bratty sometimes coming up, she needs to be a real expressive, and there's a lot that needs to come out, okay?
1: Okay, one question about her trying. You said before on Tars that if you have something trying something, you are psychic.
0: Yeah, she has uh, Mars in Pisces. uh
1: uh-huh. What about her trines? Does she have any trines with that?
0: Well, it, she has Uranus in Scorpio, which is an assist to that. Uh-huh. It's not as strong as we'd like it to be, but Mars in Pisces usually doesn't need many trines. She has a sun trine Uranus okay. that makes her very psychic. Sun in Pisces, trine Uranus in Scorpio. The children born in March of 79 are very special for that reason. Okay?
1: Okay, thank you.
0: What's your name, Mommy? Reggie. Thanks for having her call.
1: You're welcome. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: Now I'm getting two or three little kids call everywhere. I love that. Thank you, God. I'm I'm manifesting more children calling on this show right now. A two-year-old, even. Yeah, let's go for. Let's go because everyone listening goes, Oh, isn't that just cute? Don't they love that? Don is calling, and he is a Sag Leo Rising. Hi, Don. How you doing, Folly? Isn't that funny when the kids call?
1: Yes, it's so uh, uh, you know, such it's so refreshing to see them involved in the strategy at that age.
0: (laughs) There's hope in this world, isn't there?
1: Oh yes, always. What can we do for you, guy? Yeah, well, you know, I was interested in the essence vibration of my Leo rising. Uh, the number is 21. Also, I uh, have a, let's see, uh, a north node in the 8th house in Pisces. So I was trying to get an evaluation on that.
0: Okay, what is the Pisces north node number? Uh, 24. Okay, now this would be the essence vibration of your soul's mission in life. An expansion of ego shield against self's deeper need for penance an in-depth and analyzation of inner and outer aspects to self, a need to re-examine motives and create motives for the all. That's your mission in life. Now, Leo 21 is your essence vibration of self, a bombastic effort to do something worthwhile, an angry need to dispel excessive energy, a loud roar of dissatisfaction. Does that sound like you done?
1: Yeah, it sounds real yeah. <laughs> sounds it's familiar. You know, <laughs> okay, yeah. Analyze that.
0: Okay, thanks. Did you record it? Yeah. Thanks, DJ. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. Let's go to Leanne now, a double Capricorn. Hi. Hi. How are you?
1: Fine, how are you?
0: <laughs> this I love this show. This one is one of my favorites for sure.
1: Question, another baby question.
0: Another baby question. Yeah. All right.
1: I'm having number two. Sometime um. Do you? want gave me actually three.
0: Are you holding baby now?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. When she do? Uh, she. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think have so. A question.
1: <laughs> what? I have a girl right now. That's my question. Uh, oh, really? Sometime due in late October. They've given me like three different dates.
0: Well, did they figure out the gender of the baby yet? No. Well, I got it was a girl. But I, you know what do I know, right? But uh let's see. What degrees of Capricorn rising?
1: I think twelve.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, you're showing a baby. Jupiter's in your fifth for the rest of this year for sure. Uh-huh. And looks like it's going to be, most of the experience we have here for you and children is very positive. Yeah. Cause you have Venus trine Mars and Venus is lord of your fifth, which is Taurus. And when you have the lord of the fifth trining another planet, obviously the children can be your best friends. You have a grand trine in your Venus. I'm sorry. You have Neptune trine your Venus and Neptune trine your Mars. So these children being born to you are extremely evolved children. These are like wizards from past lives. <laughs> So I think this is going to be a real positive experience, at least I hope it is, okay?
1: Okay, what are we looking about as far as labor?
0: <laughs> yeah, well how That's was my the first- Main question. How was the first labor? Terrible. What happened? Was it cesarean?
1: Yes, it went on for 18 hours.
0: Oh my god. Well, you know-
1: Trying to be an underwater birth and just never got around to it.
0: Yeah, that, you know, you might want to go a little bit more, not as far out as that in my opinion, you yeah. know. I would think that a lot of this has to do with some precise visualization. Once again, specifically producing and directing the way you would like the birth to be, I think because you might have been so worried about this before it happened Uh that you might have manifested some of this negative vibe. You're not shown that much karma with a birth unless you would worry about it. You have Mars and cancer, and you can win the Olympic gold medal for worrying here. Okay? Okay? So, like I was talking to that other girl about her career and how Uh to be specific, Uh you need to practice every day for about 20 minutes and be specific as to how you'd like to see this birth happen. And I'm not going to guarantee it'll happen. It depends on your own personal will. Right. But I don't think that would hurt any. Do you?
1: No, not at all. Okay,
0: good luck, okay? Thanks. Bye. All right, she's laughing. I'm glad she's laughing. Okay, everybody, I want you to have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, a wonderful weekend, a wonderful life. God bless you. We'll see you real soon. Weekdays, KFOX 93.5 FM at 12 noon. Now go have a nice day. Bye, everybody.